Hey everybody and welcome back to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay and today we're going to finish off Luke chapter number 2 beginning in verse number 41. We're going to work our way down to the end of the chapter here, verse number 52. And at the finality of the advent of Jesus, we're actually going to be looking at his, his boyhood. We're going to discover Jesus at, at the end of chapter 2 as being 12 years of age, being at the temple. We're going to take a look at several things that, that we can acknowledge from our own lives uh, alongside of this. And so, ought to be an exciting day. And then come Monday, we will dive into something different as we have covered the Advent narrative and next week all the way through the week is going to bring us to Christmas Day next Saturday. So hallelujah for that. But let's turn to the Lord, ask his blessing in prayer, and then we'll dive right in. Father, we are grateful for everything that you have done. We thank you, Lord, this time of year for the gift of your salvation that we may be able to rejoice in the presence of Jesus, that we may be able to enjoy the things of God and, and just treasure you, Lord. Just treasure your, your word, treasure your presence and, and the joy that you bring in the Holy Spirit. We thank you and praise you for all that you have done in us, with us, and through us. The blessed name of Jesus. Amen. All right, guys, here we go. In verse number 41, as we read down, the scripture says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew of, knew, didn't know of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinfolk and acquaintances. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you dealt with us this way? Behold, your father and I have sought you sorrowing. And he said to them, How is it that you sought me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spoke unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these things, these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. One of the things that I love is, is the author, Luke, he, he must have been a southern boy. And this, this is one of those things that you, you'll find most often coming out of southern people's mouths is that everything is down. Uh, for instance, I would tell people, I'm, I'm going down to, to North Dakota. <laughs> they say, well, where, where are you taking a trip to? I'm, I'm headed down to North Dakota. Uh, there I'm living in Virginia. Well, needless to say, I'd, I'd have to say I'm going up. But to us, everything was down. Even, even if we were going to, say, Washington, D.C., or we were going to a, a store that would be up, town, everything would be down. I'm going down to the market. Well, I have to go north to get to it, so I must be going up. <laughs> and 
but everything is down. So when we see with Luke here and verse number 51, he says, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth. Well, if you understand the location of Jerusalem and you understand the location of Nazareth, he didn't go down. He went way up because Nazareth is approximately uh, at least 65 miles away because it's 70 miles on the journey from, from Nazareth and Galilee down to Bethlehem. And Bethlehem is seven miles away from Jerusalem. So he's going at least 60 to 65 miles in a journey south. Uh, the parents were to get to Jerusalem in order to be able to celebrate the Feast of Pesach, but then they were headed back north. And so it's interesting to see where Luke would say he went down with them and came to Nazareth. It's very important to remember that, that Nazareth is actually 60 miles north of this location at least, and, and that they would have been going up. It's just a the means by which he would be explaining the journey, much like what we say when we say we're going down to the market, even though we're going north to get to the, the town, you know. I also thought it was neat about this this questioning that that the parents, at least Mary and Joseph, now keeping in mind, who is Jesus's father? This is important for us to really lock into our thoughts because when we answer this question of who Jesus's father is, then, then we start to understand the, the nature behind the questioning that's being done here. Uh, it comes in verse 48 and goes down to verse number 49. And they saw him and they were amazed, said, and his mother said to him, son, why have you dealt with us this way? She said, your, your father and I have sought after you sorrowing. Now, your father and I, the, the reality is, is that Joseph isn't Jesus's dad at all. At best, Joseph is the legal guardian that God entrusted with God's only begotten son to provide protection and to provide the, the example of what it means to be a man uh, among men in the earth. But Joseph is not Jesus's father any whatsoever. There's no DNA connection to Joseph. He's not his father as being said here, which is interesting because of the next verse. In verse number 49, it says that, that he, Jesus, says to them, how is it that you sought me? Don't you know that I must be about my father's business? Well, as was the Hebrew custom of the day that the sons would, would take after the fathers in whatever career, whatever business that the fathers were in, when Jesus says, do you not understand that I must be about my father's business? It's very well understood by the Hebrew people that the sons would be following after the fathers as concerning the work. But what got convoluted in this situation is that the expectation of Jesus was that he was going to be a carpenter. Now, understanding that this is the role and the livelihood of Jesus's legal guardian on the earth, whose name was Joseph, 
but Joseph is not Jesus's father. And so we find that the training to to be gleaned for Jesus in order to follow after his father's footsteps is actually happening as he's there in the temple with the priesthood asking questions and and receiving answers and learning and and sharing answers to questions as well. So Jesus is is gleaning the the skill set and the knowledge base that would be necessary for him to serve in his father's role. And so this is one of those places where we often get our humanity all mingled and mangled up in to the the holiness of God and and the work through the Holy Spirit in us to the world around us that we withhold or draw back from those things that are of God being led in us by the Holy Spirit to do we kind of pull back from those things because we, we think that it's necessary, or I should say more necessary, for us to be doing the things of man and, and, and gleaning the things of man and acquiring the things of man when the whole time the Holy Spirit is trying to do a marvelous work through us for the Lord. So it's very important for us to really get our heads wrapped around this because when Jesus, he says two very important things in verse number 49 that we really want to grab a hold of today. The first of the two things that we find that Jesus is revealing to us in his statement here in verse number 49 is, how is it that you sought me? Now, a very important point that he's making is is that the scripture reveals to us in the son of man that he came to seek and to save that which was lost we'll see that again in luke chapter number 19 in verse number 10 where he says or chapter number 10 yeah i think it's chapter number 19 in verse number 10 but that jesus would say i came to seek and to save that which was lost and of course the same thing would come out of matthew uh, that, that Jesus would make this statement. And so Jesus is curious about the fact that what are you looking for me? Now, understand that the context of why they were looking for him is under the assumption of who he belonged to. And the fury that may have existed inside of, of Mary because of the disappearance of Jesus and the frustration of not being able to find him, even for the three days that they were running around Jerusalem, and the whole time, where is he? But right there in the temple. And so the, the, the concept of who you belong to is, is kind of interesting in the dynamic, because as mankind, we often are very possessive of all the things that, that we believe belongs to us, for instance, we, we believe that our money belongs to us. We believe that our house belongs to us. We believe our car belongs to us. We believe our, our life belongs to us, or at least we treat it that way. We believe our children belong to us. We, we believe that, that all of these things in, in some frame or fashion are possessions of ours that we have earned or possessions of ours that we have worked hard for, possessions of ours that we that we have acquired and that all of these things belong to us. But the reality is, is that we own nothing in this world. Our children are an heritage of the Lord. Our children are a blessing from God and our children belong to God. 
the very the very position that we hold at work is a position blessed unto us because of talents that God has given us to be able to uh, match that position and be very good at it. Our our monies that we make from whatever raises and whatever career that we happen to be in are the blessings that God has bestowed upon us from the talents that he has given us and from the the very blessings that God would, would provide for us. I mean, all, all, in all these things we find that the reality of our life is that we have nothing, that we own nothing, that all things that 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 actually belong to us are blessings that have been bestowed upon us from our God. And so it's very important that when Jesus says, why are you looking for me? The reason why Jesus would be saying that is because he's exactly where he's supposed to be. He's right there uh, in, in the house of his father. He's right there in the presence of, of his father and and he is engaging in the in the schooling he's engaging in the work of his father that has been bestowed upon him to do so in fact mary and joseph would be the ones out of line at this moment that jesus would actually be the one who is fully correct in where he is and in what he's doing and in why he's doing it. So, so we find that the parents would be furious with him because th that they see him as one that stayed behind. They see him as, as the potential of an irresponsible child that didn't stay with the family, that, that uh, chose his own wants or wishes above and beyond that of of the family's direction and and so they're furious with him uh, but the reality of all of this is is that Jesus is actually doing everything that he's supposed to do now if we understood that just like Jesus that we have been adopted by God as it would reveal in John chapter number one in that new birth that we have received that, that shows us in verse number 12 and 13 that reveals to us that, that all who believe in God are, are brought in and given the ability to be called the, the sons of God or the children of God to as many as believed in him. He gave us this transformation. And that we would acknowledge that, that we become born not because of the will of man, nor because of the will of the, the, the flesh, but we are born by the Holy Spirit of God because of God's promise, because of God's word. And so that we become children of God. Well, just like Jesus, and we often ask ourselves, uh, it, it used to be a very, very popular thing in the early 90s and in probably even back into the 80s, uh, coming into the 90s, of this concept of WWJD, right? What would Jesus do? Well, in that Jesus acknowledged that he is the only begotten Son of God, then the place where Jesus desired to be was in his Father's house. Now, from birth all the way up to this position in, in Luke chapter 2, verse 41, 
Jesus is coming unto knowing who he is. Now, I believe that when Jesus was born as a baby, I don't think that that he was fully cognizant of who he truly was. I think that there is a reality that Mary would would have many conversations with him in his toddler stages and in his infancy and and no doubt that he would constantly be told of the of of how he came into the world and who he is from the f- familiar or as it was the family's perspective but even the family really i doubt could grasp the the reality of truly who he was i mean it Yes, it was a virgin birth. Yes, Mary can understand that 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 Jesus was was hosted inside of her by the Holy Spirit of God, and that that there is no human connection to Jesus aside from the flesh that He has received in the body that He has been formed inside of Mary's womb. Aside from from that connection to this earth, Jesus is fully God. And so the, the reality is, is that even the parents are, are, are having a hard time grasping the reality of who Jesus really is. But at this age, which by the way would be at 12 years old, Jesus in the temple, this is the age that many church groups like the, the Anglican or the Lutheran or the Catholic or the, the, the Messianic and or Orthodox Jewish synagogues, this, this is that age of confirmation as it was or for the for the jewish side of the house this would be at the age where the bar mitzvah would take place as you've been raised up and being trained in a synagogue school as it was for the the hebrew side of the house or you would be going through your courses for confirmation and several several of the sacerdotal type uh, church organizations sacerdotal a word meaning sacrament following uh, churches which is which is going to bring you into the anglican faith or the lutheran faith or the uh, in some cases the presbyterian faith the catholic faith the episcopal faith these these groups that would follow the catechisms and and be teaching their sacraments that they would have a time of confirmation it would be around this age because at at this time jesus fully cognizant of who he is is my belief fully able to understand his role in this world as not only the lamb of god that should be slain to take away the sin of the world at the at the agreement that would take place between god and jesus even before day one was ever created as revealed in several places throughout Scripture, Revelation chapter number 12 being one, Ephesians being another, uh, th- that this was an agreement, a promise that was made from father to son before God even created uh, all things. This, this was the eternal promise of eternity past. And so Jesus being fully aware of who he is, what his work is to do, is now actively engaged in the doing of it. You discover that. And so you understand that Jesus knows exactly who his father is, and it's not Joseph. Now, very important point that comes out of that is is when he said, how is it you look for me? The reality is, is that Jesus is the one who came seeking to save sinners. 
Now, how exactly is it that you came to look for me? Exactly. I'm here to find you. <laughs> and, and you came to look for me. Well, the reality of this is that, of course, the, the, the parents discovering that Jesus was not among the caravan that was heading, heading back to Nazareth were, were in a depth of contrition. There is a great fear that has come over them. And as, as a comedian said uh, about this very section of Scripture, there's several comedians that I've listened to before. They say, well, well, what would it have been like when Mary and Joseph discovered that Jesus was missing in the caravan? I mean, exactly when you go to pray about this, because this is something so devastating. I mean, of course, the loss of any child among a group of people would be devastating enough. But can you imagine being Mary and, and seeking the Lord and saying, you know, the, the child that you have entrusted me with, I mean, this is the very begotten son of God that you have misplaced, as it would assume to be. This is the very, the, the very hope of the salvation of humanity, and you lost him? So you can understand uh, that that the prayer for the recovery of of Jesus is going to be something of a of a a nightmare to have to seek the Lord over because he's the one who entrusted you with bringing his only begotten son into the world and now you've lost him <laughs> but in retrospect we can see this scenario play out and the fact is is that it was the parents who had been lost all this time. You see, the parents, they left Jesus. You see, Jesus didn't leave them. Jesus was exactly where he was meant to be. Jesus was where he was supposed to be. Jesus was doing everything according to the knowledge of his father's will. Jesus was, he wasn't lost at all. He was exactly where he was supposed to be. But the parents, you see, they are the ones who ended up separating themselves from Jesus in the midst of that whole caravan as well. You know, when you follow the crowd and you're not paying attention, you can easily be drifting away from God. When you get caught up in the mainstream of the way things are being taught or the way things are being believed in a moment, and you get caught up in that, that you can very easily be drawn away from, from Jesus. And I'm not saying that that Mary and Joseph were doing anything wrong. I'm not saying that Mary and Joseph were were following after anything evil or bad. But I am saying that that they were not attentive to where Jesus was and they were not with Jesus when they began their journey back to Nazareth. They didn't even pay attention to, to, to where Jesus was. They just assumed, and by the way, assumption will get you into so much trouble, that they simply assumed that Jesus was with them in somewhere in the midst of the family and friends that they have. They assumed that that Jesus was, was there because Jesus had never done anything wrong. Jesus had never rebelled from them. Jesus had never 
denied them or never never snuck out on them. Jesus never hid from them. Je- Jesus was was everything you would ever hope for and more in a child. And so they they just worked off an assumption that after these many years of raising Jesus, that he belonged to them and that they they just knew that he was going to be there. And when they, they came to their senses, of course, you understand the scenario here. They're a day's journey away. They begin to look for Jesus because it's kind of strange that, that he's not among them. They haven't seen him that whole day. They don't know... They, well, I mean, is he running around with cousins? Is he running around with friends? Or, you know, with the friends and acquaintances or, uh, and family members are there. <clears throat> so where is Jesus? What in the world? And when they search their whole camp and discover that Jesus isn't there, that he's not even in their number, they freak out. But keep in mind that it was them who left Jesus. Okay, Jesus didn't hide from them and wait for them to leave so he could stay behind. Jesus didn't run out on them and Jesus wasn't running away or or, or hiding at all. They worked off of assumptions and they left Jesus. Jesus didn't leave them. Remember, God will never leave you nor forsake you. And no no matter if God be wrapped up in the body of flesh just like Jesus that 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 he should be among mankind face to face hand in hand he still didn't leave them because god will never leave you nor forsake you however you in your sin nature you can walk away from god all the time many times that every time you delve into sin you've separated yourself from god every time you've reveled in a pleasure or a an activity or a thing that has that has gripped your heart and that it's become very precious to you and it's something that you desire to do and something that you'll that you will push away family that you'll separate yourself from friends that you'll that you'll you know separate yourself even from your own wife your own children to enjoy things like Football is a big thing that that causes this kind of separation. Video games is a new thing in our society that has sucked the brain and life out of most human beings uh, in our society today of the younger generations. And and by the way, we support and we 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 kind of promote this, especially when our children are very young. We tend to promote those things which become babysitters. Uh, for the parents and so that the parents can can invest themselves in the things that they enjoy but what they're doing is fostering a false god in the heart of their children with with allowing these video games to to increase and become increasing in their heart and the next thing you know you've got a 30 year old in your basement that's sitting there playing video games 16 hours a day and now you have a problem with it whereas when they were eight or nine you said well that's a child and that's what they're supposed to do so you facilitated it you bought them the games you got them the latest systems because it entertained them and kept them out of your hair so you thought that was a great thing but now that they have grown 
a fixated addiction to this type of gaming and now that they have broadened their horizons because they've, they've gotten on the internet and they've grouped themselves up together and they're playing games of this nature, you've got, you've got 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds that, that are just locked away. Maybe they have houses, wonderful jobs, they have spouses, and they've, they've sired some children into the world. Yet still, they'll leave their wife, they'll leave their children, they'll leave it, everything behind to get into their fantasy world because their, their, their heart's addiction is this fantasy world, is this game, is this friends and group of people that are connected together to play this game. And so that it is not the family that has left this person is not their children, their wife that have left this person. It, it, it is this person who has left reality. They've left the, the wife or the husband. They've left the children. They've left their family. They've left God behind all to dive into this addiction of a false reality that gives them comfort. When true peace and true comfort, when, when truth can only be found in God. But they're looking for it in this false world that they have some idea that they can control. And, and it's no different, by the way, from Mary and, and Joseph thinking that Jesus was theirs, thinking that they were the authority over Jesus, thinking that they had power over Jesus and thinking that the, the assumptions that he's just going to be where they are because of, he's the good son. You know, they probably had to chase James and they probably had to, to spank Jude and they probably had to deal with his other brothers and his sisters besides. He, they probably had a lot, of, a lot of heartache with some of those boys. If you've ever read the letter of Jude, which is the, which is the letter that is written just before revelation in scripture you will find a very strong-willed person in jude and you can imagine what mary had to go through to try and discipline that boy uh, but jesus 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 the the consummate son that all other children could be compared to to say why aren't you more like jesus you know and, and, and the difficulty of, of having to accept that Jesus doesn't belong to you has not yet sunk in. But note the fact that in this section of scriptures, it says Mary kept those things in her heart. So they, they're freaking out about Jesus' departure. And by the time they catch up to him and they say, what in the world were you thinking, boy? Jesus said, now exactly how is it that you've been looking for me? In other words, um, y'all should have been where I have been this whole time. Why is it that you left God's house? Now, that's an important point because one of the most important things you'll find in Jesus' life is God's house. And one of the things that you'll find most important in God's children's lives is God's house. So if you claim to be a child of God, but you don't go to God's house, you don't go to church, you don't care a thing about church, you, you think it's full of building, full of hypocrites and et cetera, et cetera. You got all of these different excuses as to why you're going to be a hypocrite yourself. You, you, you're a liar, plain and simple. 
because the greatest joy of God's children is taking that day within their week to be able to go to their father's house. You know, it's, it's one of the celebrated things in America. It used to be 20, 30 years ago. Shame that it isn't anymore. But it used to be the treasure of a family's whole week to be able to gather over at Grandma's house for dinner every week. Gather over at Mama's house for dinner every week. And, and it was a treasured time for family to spend together. But as we've grown away from that, we've grown away from God, we've grown away from, from God's house, and now we don't ever come together into God's house to have the feast, to be able to enjoy the, the blessings of the bread of life and the well of water springing up into eternal life. We don't, we don't get together at God's house anymore. And we're suffering as a nation for it. And the reality is, is that because we have forsaken God's house, we've forsaken God in many ways. And though he promised never to leave us nor to forsake us, the very sinful nature within us says, certainly you don't need to follow the word of God. Certainly you don't have to be there. Certainly you could do other things than be in church. And so Jesus, after his, his mom and mama come up and started scolding him jesus said exactly how is it that you are looking for me because i've been exactly where i'm supposed to be and the thing the second thing that he says in verse number 40 49 is don't you understand i've got to be about my dad's business you know i got to carry on in my father's footsteps i don't have time to be playing with all of this that you're fussing about and you know what? That's because Joseph was not Jesus's dad. And Jesus was not going to be following after the footsteps of Joseph as becoming a carpenter for the rest of his life. Jesus was of necessity to be in that temple to glean in the work of what his father's business is, and that is saving souls. And so, we find that, that there is two challenges that Jesus gave to his family. And by the way, at 12 years of age, these challenges come to a people that, that <clears throat> well above him in age as his, his elders, as it would be, from Mary and Joseph didn't have a clue. And I'm not going to be all that hard on them because you and I wouldn't have really a clue either. We would be so wrapped up in this moment of how furious we were because Jesus didn't do exactly what we expected him to do, how we expected him to do it, and when we expected him to do it, that we would be coming back into Jerusalem full of fire and fury. <laughs> now, first off, we'd be scared to death till we found him. Then that scared would turn into wrath and, and we would blast on him and, and fuss at him and, and just drive it into the ground how upset we were with him. When the whole time he's the one that's been doing everything right. When the whole time he's exactly where he was supposed to be and that the, the mother certainly, but that Mary and Joseph, they just neglected to pay attention to the reality of who their son was who their son is. And so you have this great challenge that Jesus gives to them. And by the way, it reveals in verse number 50 here that he did not, that they, his, his mother, I, I, I'm, it's difficult not to say his parents, 
but they're not his parents. Okay, that Mary was certainly his mother. There's no question about that. I mean, it was through her womb that Jesus came into the world. Mary was his mother. As according to the nature of the flesh, Mary was his mother. But Joseph was not his dad. Joseph was not a stepdad. Joseph was not... Joseph was, was his legal guardian entrusted over his welfare by, by God. End of story. And so I cannot say that his parents, but, but it's just difficult to try and not say that, which is why I have those pauses when, when that's coming to mind, and I have to switch over and say, well, his mother, Mary, and, and Joseph, okay, it shows in verse number 50 that they did not understand the things which he said to them. Now, guys, this is a reality that we struggle with often with the things that God says to us because the, the difficulties that we face are in that Jesus gives us instruction about the very nature of sin within us, but we, we tend to reject those things because we want to see that we're doing something okay. We want to feel that we are good, and the truth is we are not. And so with that, I just want to thank you for, for spending this week with me and looking through the Advent narrative of the Gospel of Luke. And I want to praise the Lord for the blessing of his word as he has given us an understanding even unto the time of his sons coming unto the knowledge of who he is as Lord and Savior, as I personally believe here in Luke chapter number 2, beginning in verse number 41, at the at the coming of, of age at, at 12 years old. And of course, Jesus is going to go through his mitzvah as being known as Bar Mitzvah, which means a son of the commandments, which is an induction into uh, the the life of Judaism as as being a full-fledged connected member to the covenant of the of Abraham and, and so that he would then begin his training in in his father's work and just a really exciting area of of scripture that we find here and so if you have any questions about it uh, one thing i was going to mention but i've come to the point where i'm out of time because we spent a lot of time talking about those two questions that jesus asked very important questions for us to answer in our own heart today but that it comes down and, and it says, he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. So it's very important to understand that, that it's one of those situations where, you know, as a child, you might be getting fussed at by your mom for doing something. And, and of course, you, you did what was asked of you, but it wasn't seen as being done the way it was asked of you. And dad would look at you and just say, just, just go along with your mom. Just, just, just just go ahead and do what what your mom has asked. Well, it's very similar to that as Jesus, though he was in the right, though he was in the place that he was supposed to be, as found in verse number 51, he, he accepted the chastisement of his parents, even though they were the ones who were wrong. He accepted the chastisement of his parents and, and he went with them and, and he subjected himself to them, even though he was in the right so this is kind of important to understand uh, that, that, that scenario there, but no time. So 
if you have any questions, just go ahead and ask them in the comments. You know I love your questions. You know I love answering your questions, and we'll, we'll, we'll cover that. Uh, but otherwise, you guys have a blessed weekend, and I will catch you on Monday for a brand new location and direction to be determined. And it'll be a thrill for our souls to be able to go anywhere in the Word of God and seek after His face. And so, Father, we thank you and praise you, asking your blessing be upon us that, that we may have a great weekend and that we may find ourselves in your house on Sunday, praising and rejoicing in our King. Lord, as we, we face this, this very fourth week of Advent, how close our, our Christmas is to us, Lord, that, that in our services here at Martin, we, we consider the candle of joy and father that that all four candles being lit is the completion of what you do in our hearts as we walk with you for the hope that we have that gives us peace and fills us with love that connects us to joy in jesus we praise you and thank you for the blessing of our time together and just pray that you will watch over us and cause your face to shine upon us in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen. Well, guys, as I say, may God bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and and just flood your soul with his joy in this, this week to come that we may be able to praise him, his wonderful name and his presence. Till, till the next time, come Monday, we'll see you later.